I have assorted verses from Proverbs, chapters 1, 4, 12, and 13. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, good morning. Who feels wiser today than you did last Sunday if you were here? Oh, come on. I talked to some of you yesterday. You were clearly wiser yesterday than you were last time I talked to you. No. <laughs> well, today we're going to look at family and friends, relationships. Who's, who's been part of a family? Who's ever like, had something good happen in their family that was really helpful for you? Who, who's ever had something in your family that was difficult and um, hard? <laughs> who's had friendships that have been a blessing and a real encouragement? Who's had friendships or relationships that have gone a bit sour? Okay, all right. I'm speaking to the right people here. I've got the right message. Uh, so that's good. That's good. Uh, what is wisdom? Let's have a quick recap because uh, it's always good to, you know, think of things over and over again to let them sink in. Wisdom is being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities, observing and following the Creator, God's principles of order in the moral universe. God's put a structure and a moral you know, order in the universe, and wisdom is tapping into that. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's living well. It's a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. And wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems before they happen and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. And we all need wisdom, right? Because we all you know, are learning, we're growing, none of us is perfect, we're all on a journey. So wisdom is very important and God is pleased to give us wisdom and to help us learn wisdom and discover wisdom as we follow Christ as we know him because wisdom is about knowing God wisdom is about having a relationship with God the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding I love that song we sing only a holy God you know, it helps us get a sense of understanding who God is and seeing how great he is. That's, that's the pathway of how wisdom begins. Now, today, as we talk about family and friends, probably say right up the front, you know, even just mentioning the word family today can be controversial. It's like a contested space. What is a family? I get that. I also get that families can be sources of uh, great pain for people and uh, families can break down. And families can struggle, and families can have difficulties, and friendships as well. So as we hear this, as we listen to the Proverbs on wisdom for our families, for relationships, for friends, um, know that any condemnation or any sense of that, it, that doesn't come from God, because God wants to be a good friend to us by telling us the truth, 
but then helping us uh, understand and live out of that truth for our lives. And sometimes, you know, if you would go to see a surgeon, you know, you wouldn't want the surgeon if you had tests, you know, just to say, well, look, you know, there's some, maybe some things going on, but don't worry about it. I don't want to, don't want to scare you. You want to know the truth, right? What's going on? Oh, tell me the truth. I might not like it. It might be hard. It might hurt. But give me the truth and then help me know what I need to do once I receive the truth. And that's how God deals with us, I believe. He, he loves us enough to tell us the truth from his word, not to condemn us, but to help shape our lives and, and lead us in a pathway forward. So let's just get that as we look at some of these things, uh, particularly around family breakdown, where, which I'm going to start just a little bit outside of Proverbs. Um, family breakdown results in children and single mothers, although single fathers too, but predominantly women are impacted adversely by family breakdown, and it leads to them experiencing less well-being financially, emotionally, mentally, socially, and educationally, and particularly um, women, but I don't want to exclude single fathers here as well, they can experience that as well, but the statistics show that it's primarily children and women who suffer most through family breakdown. Some recent studies in Melbourne, uh, where I've been living for the last 30 years, show that around 60%, almost two-thirds of people who are homeless or experienced homelessness, the reason being, the primary reason, is family breakdown. The breakdown of their family is the major cause that precipitates homelessness. The good news is that as we look at the social scientific data, and I love in our society, we're all for the science, except when it really challenges maybe something that we don't like to hear, like this. The science is in, people. The social scientific data over 40 or 50 years gives us plenty of basis to say that when families break down, when families are really dysfunctional, great suffering and pain ensues, sometimes generationally. The good news is that much of that can be assisted and helped by good mentoring, good relationships, um, and also by the God who loves to heal and bless and restore and bring broken things back together again. And that's why as a church we, we have good news. And church communities are great places for families that are struggling or broken because there's a, a weight, a sharing the weight of 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 raising children, of sharing the weight of support. Church communities are great places and can be and should be great places for helping people whose families, whose situations has hit the rocks and come apart. Now, I'm not going to talk in this as like a self-righteous pastor looking down at people from broken families. I was raised in a dysfunctional, broken family and my single mum did her utmost best to provide for me and my sister to work hard, to be a mum and a dad, especially, you know, didn't have a lot to do with my dad growing up a little bit. My mum tried really hard. But our family, the pain and the, the suffering in my dysfunctional, broken family was very real. And I, it wasn't until I was 25 years old that I realised I was from a single parent family. I was 25 years old when it suddenly dawned on me that I was from a single parent family and it suddenly dawned on me that for all those years since I was about three or four years old when my dad walked out, I'd been waiting and quietly hoping that my family would come back together. I was 25 years old 
when just one day talking and being with someone, I suddenly realized that I'd been hoping for my family to come back together for almost 20 years, and I'd never really acknowledged or accepted that I was raised by a single mother. How about that? And so I was in my adult years as I started to understand and unpack um, what I went through, what my sister went through, what we experienced in a broken home, a broken family. So I'm not talking about this like as a theoretical thing. I'm talking about this as something that I've experienced and lived through. So let's have a quick look, just culturally, because I like cultural stuff and I think we should be aware of it. Charles Murray is a political scientist, a social uh, researcher in America for many years. He, he took 50 years of data from all over America, all the studies, all the research, metadata, 50 years of data on families. And he broke it down to this, that in America, and Australia is not dissimilar, there's essentially two types of people. He created these sort of fake names, Belmont. That's where the rich and educated and cultural elites live. And then there's Fishtown, which is where the poor, uneducated, small town, what they call flyover country people live. Okay? Now, what he found was the Belmont people, the cultural influences, the, the rich folk, the powerful folk, they weren't preaching what they were practicing. Because they've been preaching through culture, through arts, through all sorts of things for years that marriage doesn't matter, that divorce should be easy, a family breakdown is no big deal. And the people downstream have been hearing that message. But if you look at the stats, the Belmont folk, the rich cultural influences, they haven't been preaching what they've practiced. Because their marriages and their births within wedlock have remained relatively stable for the last 50 years. But the people downstream who've been listening to their cultural influence, their families have fallen apart. So you can see in 1970, 94% of the rich cultural elites were married. 1960, 50 years later, it was about 83%. But down in Fishtown, down in the poor town folk, 84% of people were married in 1960, but it had almost halved by 2010 in terms of broken families, things falling apart. Up in Fishtown, um, they were doing great. 6% of their kids were, uh, only 6% weren't, weren't born in, in a marriage with a, with a mother and a father. Um, 50 years later, it's pretty much the same. And their kids were doing well. No worries there. But down in uh, poor Fishtown, um, it's up to about 50% now. Most half of all kids born are not being born in a marriage context with a mum and a dad. That's our cultural situation. It's funny too because the rich elites have made a lot of money preaching this message to others who kind of pick it up downstream through Netflix and movies and all sorts of stuff. They've actually done pretty well with that message, but they don't live it. The reason they don't live it is because they know, at least intuitively, not because they're following the scriptures maybe, that stable families that nurture children have better outcomes for their children. So there's a bit of cultural um, stuff for you, if you like that sort of thing. If not, let's go to the Bible <laughs> and look at what the Bible says about relationships. Wise parents love and protect and instruct their children. Wise children honour and respect their parents. There'll be some qualifications in these soon. Wise people have or are good friends. Wise people love their neighbour. You just turn to your neighbour and say, I love you. 
<laughs> in, in a Bibli- in a Jesus sense, you know, like a, in a platonic uh, Christian sense, I love you. Because Jesus said to love one another. So let's just look through these uh, in the next few little moments, okay? And let's see what the book of Proverbs says about family, relationships, parenting. There's a lot to be said that can't be said, but let's just take these four. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do you see the premise there? Listen, do not forsake your mother's teaching. Do you see what it assumes there? That parents take, have a role and have a part in instructing and teaching their children. Uh, so that's the premise there. This person in Proverbs reflects on the way their parents influenced their lives for, for good. Probably at the time they hated it, you know, that happens with kids. But later on he's reflecting going, you know what, my dad, my mum, I didn't believe them at the time or I didn't get it then, but they really spoke into my life. They instructed me, they taught me. And sometimes, you know, probably they just wanted to be my best friend and so that I'd like them, but no, they told me the hard things. They spoke into my life and he's reflecting on that. As, and as he does, he's speaking to his son and he's telling his son, this is why I'm teaching you. This is why I'm instructing you. And again, this is happening in the context of the community of faith in Israel. It's not just a nuclear family, single parent or two parents or whatever. This is talking about the community of faith, that this child, this man, he's reflecting on how he learned from his parents, but how through the community of faith he learned as well. Now he's saying to his son, this is why we gather together, why we hear the scriptures, why we teach you. Um, And then he says this, My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. And when you walk, they'll guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. That's really important. And and I think in a moment, we'll, we'll just see what Jesus says about parent relationships to balance this. But I think what Kathleen Ann, Ann Farmer says is, is sums up Proverbs in its parent-child relationship. On the one hand, the sayings note that parents are blessed by the wisdom and righteousness of their children, and that children are blessed if they have parents who behave wisely. That's why I gave the, the preamble before, that some of you sitting here going, well, my parents weren't wise. Okay, we'll get to that in a sec. On the other hand, children or parents who act foolishly bring grief and ruin and shame upon their parents or their children. Now, just before we move on to what children should do to parents, I just have a quick you know, message here to those who are in the marriage business or looking to get married. Um, don't marry a fool. <laughs> That's the summary. <laughs> That's the summary of the Bible's teaching and Proverbs on marriage. Don't marry a fool. Um, now, if you are here with a spouse, don't look at them at this point. Because um, that wouldn't be very loving. The, the key thing there in Proverbs that, and the Bible really says to people in terms of marriage is don't just look on outward things like beauty and wealth. Don't look just to outward things in finding a marriage partner. What really matters is character and inner conviction and a person's faith in God. That's what really matters in a marriage. As Proverbs says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. Look for someone who honors God, who puts God first. Not, not perfect, you know, who's perfect, but don't just be swayed by wealth or beauty. They're not unimportant, obviously, but, you know, the Bible says, look deeper 
when you're seeking a marriage partner and praying for one. And also, pray that you can be that sort of person in marriage as well. That you'll bring that to a marriage, a character, a faith that is deep and rich and enduring. There's just a quick throwaway for people who are interested in getting married. Let's look at what wise children should do or are called to do. Kids, are you listening? Adelaide, Ewan, this is for you, right? Okay, honour your father and mother that you may live long in the land. That's quite a promise, right? Don't give your parents a hard time and you'll live longer. It's good health advice. Um, My son or my daughter, keep your father's commands. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. You might not understand it now. It might not make sense. But your mum and dad have your best interests at heart. So listen to them. They love you. And they're saying these things because they care for you. If someone curses their father or mother, God forbid, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. If you turn against your parents and rebel against them, it's a recipe for a life of no direction and darkness. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Isn't that beautiful? This was a culture that valued the elderly and esteemed them and looked after them and respected them. And children were called to do that. And they still are, according to this. Wise children honour and respect their parents. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There's no joy for a parent of a godless fool. A foolish son, let's be equal opportunity here, or daughter, um, brings grief to his or her father and bitterness to the mother who bore him or her. The father of a righteous child, though, has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son or daughter rejoices in him or her. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. I bet that Andrew and Julie are joyful over you, Sarah. (laughs) And other parents here. Uh, Chris and Adi of Montana, I bet your mum and dad, they rejoice over you and so forth. All you parents here, um, rejoice and love your children and that's right and good. There is a a Jesus caveat here, just quickly. I'll bring a few Jesus caveats in um, because Proverbs needs to be balanced by what Jesus taught. We can't just take it in isolation. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father or mother, wife or husband, And children, brothers and sisters, hang on, yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So the qualification is there that every person, whether you're single, married, whether you're a parent, whether you're a child, whatever, your primary allegiance, says Jesus, is to me. And that has to come first. Now, it's not an excuse to say, well, well, Jesus told me, you know, I need to go to Hawaii and surf for two weeks, mum and dad, so you can't stop me. No, it's, it's about, you know, in my own life when I left Adelaide to go to Sydney, I felt God was calling me to go to Bible college. And my dad sat me down one day and said, you're an idiot. Um, you're leaving a good job, well-paid job. You've got a good career trajectory there in a five-star hotel here in Adelaide. You're an idiot. You're going to give all that up, what, to go to Bible college? What's going to happen then? What are you going to do? How are you going to support yourself? So I had to make a decision. Well, okay, to honour and respect my dad. Well, I can honour and respect him, but I felt strongly that God was calling me to do that. So Jesus had to come first. And that's the caveat there in all of our relationships is that no one has control or no one can dominate us over and against our relationship with Christ. Now, wise people have good friends. 
or they are good friends. The righteous choose their friends carefully. I've been involved in young adult ministry in Melbourne for the last 10 years. We've probably had 500 young adults come through Q Baptist Church. Uh, Before that, I've been involved in young adult ministry, and I have seen time and time again young adults' faith shipwrecked, their lives go astray because of bad crowd stuff, because of bad friends. I've seen the opposite as well. Young adults formed in faith, continue in faith, grow in faith because they had other young people around them who were serious about faith and serious about following Jesus. I've seen both those things play out and I can testify to the truth of this proverb, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. A discerning son or daughter heeds instruction, but a companion of gluttons and prostitutes disgraces his or her parents. Wise people have and are good friends. But there's a Jesus caveat here as well. We don't look down on people (laughs) as Christians or shun them because they are difficult or troublesome. Let's face it, All of us are difficult and troublesome to someone, (laughs) right? We're all difficult and troublesome to God, and yet he's gracious and forgiving and kind. So it's not, it's not, sometimes I've heard this over the years, like, don't hang out with, and it's kind of like this hierarchy thing, looking down on people like, oh, you fools, we won't hang out with you because we are righteous. No, it's not that. It's just sense, like, don't hang out, you know, don't throw your lot in with people who are idiots, ultimately. But on the other hand, Maybe there's a calling there to reach out to people who are in foolish, stupid living. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So there's a caveat there. Have sense. Have some good people around you. Um, you Be careful about being influenced by by people um, in bad ways. But on the other hand, do so in a spirit of love a spirit of forgiveness, and a spirit of reaching out to those uh, who need to know Christ's good news. Number four, wise people love their neighbour. So I said, say, you love your neighbour. They don't plot harm against their neighbours, says the proverb. They don't, don't do that. Live um, in peace with those who live near you. Um, whoever derides their neighbour has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Don't, don't run neighbours or friends or family down. It is the sin to despise one's neighbour, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Wise people love their neighbours. As Christians, we want to seek to live in peace with everyone as as far as we can. Um, There's times when we need to make a stand and you need to draw a line and that's okay. But wise people love their neighbours. And um, these days, probably most of us don't know our neighbours. Maybe in Mount Barker it's different, but in Melbourne it it got a bit like that. We lived next to some people for nine years and um, we tried to reach out to them a few, you know, a few times and get to connect, but they clearly didn't want anything to do with us. And um, it, they did know I was the pastor of the church next door. That might have had something to do with it. But anyway, we always said hello and tried to reach out and live in peace with them, even if they didn't want uh, a reciprocal relationship. But Jesus said this, didn't he? Wise people love their neighbour. Um, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. There's the putting God first. Put God first in your life. Um, This is the first and greatest commandment. And then there's a second commandment. It's kind of like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and then seek to love others. And that's not easy. People can be difficult. People can be malevolent. People can, you know, seek to do us harm. Um, people can be, you know, it can be tricky. But as best as we can with God's grace to live at peace with all people. And it's part of, I think, the COVID compliance stuff. To be honest, in Melbourne sometimes I was at a point where this is stupid. Some of the compliance stuff that the government was putting out, this is ridiculous. And there was this decision of, okay, do, what, what battles do we fight here? We don't have to fight every battle. We've got to choose our battles uh, as, as Christians in a culture. But um, sometimes it's just like, well, let's just keep the peace. Let's just live at peace. I don't agree with it. I think it's stupid. But I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm not going to have an argument. That's um, something to consider, to be wise neighbours. A few more Jesus caveats to close. Um, my parents, this maybe this you, this was me, Dad, if you're watching, hello. He's not watching. My parents were bad examples. Um, okay, so what, what now? Well, you're not like you're not set back permanently. It's not it's not a sentence, but as you see from the social scientific data, it's it's good to know that there can be challenges when home life and family life has been dysfunctional and hurtful and broken down. There's nothing to be condemned about, but just understand. And God can, and He does, and He loves to fill the gaps to be that loving parent that we didn't have or don't have. God will be that for us. Um, Number two, my children have gone off the rails. Look, people have free will and choice. And even I've seen this, the best of parents, godly, upright Christian parents can see their children shipwreck their lives. Um, You know, my parents never taught me anything about God, never sowed anything of God into my life. And yet here I am teaching you from the Bible. You know, how does that work? You know, shouldn't I be, you know, out there in the street somewhere? You know, because I come from a broken family. No, it just works the other way as well. You can be godly, praying parents, and your children have free will, and they have choice. And you don't necessarily need to wear that, but keep praying for them nonetheless. Number three, my family and friends are hostile to my faith. Well, surprise, surprise. (laughs) That's what Jesus said, right? He said, hey, by the way, you know how they hated me? Oh, yeah, they'll hate you too. Oh, but no one likes me. I'm a Christian and people are mean to me. Well, like that's what Jesus said. So get on with it. Um, but don't love them and don't give them extra reasons for hating you, <laughs> like being self-righteous and annoying. Um, don't do that. Number four, I'm lonely. And that's a real one. It's a real heavy heart for people in our culture. I'm lonely. Maybe pray for God to make you into a good and wise... It should be friend, not a fried. (laughs) A good, wise friend. Okay? And and also reach out. If you're here and you're lonely, like, tell someone. Talk to us. Reach out. We we don't want you to be lonely. Number five, I've been a foolish child, (laughs) a foolish parent, a foolish friend. Well, welcome to the party, haven't we all? (laughs) That's the point, right? That's why we need Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. All have fallen short. All you parents, you've fallen short. All you children, me, everyone, we've all fallen short. No one's hit this perfectly, right? And that's okay. That's why Jesus came, to help us, to help us grow in wisdom, to help us learn His ways, and to forgive us as well and restore us and bring healing And just as I finish, I love this about Proverbs. If you look with eyes of faith, if you read the Old Testament prayerfully, you just keep finding Jesus there. 
Because Jesus said this in Luke 24. He said, all of the Old Testament testifies to me. It talks about me. And so as you read the Old Testament, and look at what Proverbs does here in this theme. Who's the wise, loving parent who instructs and protects his children? It's God. It's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is that, that one who protects, instructs, and, and guides us. The wise parent. Jesus honored his father. He was the perfect son. He was faithful to his heavenly father, obedient. He honored and respected his father. He's, he's the perfect son, the perfect child. Jesus is the good and faithful friend. He's the best friend you can have. He's the friend who's faithful, who sticks closer than a brother or a sister. Jesus is the best friend you can have. So if you are lonely, you could have like the creator of the universe as your best friend. Who needs friends if you've got him? <laughs> Jesus loved his neighbors and forgave them. Didn't Jesus love his neighbors? John chapter 1 says, Jesus came among us and dwelt, his, dwelt among us, pitched his tent alongside of us. Basically, it, you know, Jesus moved into the house next door where I live. And he was a good neighbor. He was a good, loving neighbor. And he fulfills all of that. And in him, we learn to become wise parents who instruct and teach children, not just their own biological children, but as I mentioned earlier, earlier as a church, we have a role, a calling to teach and instruct the children of our church community. Um, Jesus is, is that faith, faithful parent that can help us in parenting. He's the good friend who stays by our side and helps us be a good friend to others. And he's the one who loved his neighbors and gave up his life for them. But as we close, Jesus' family was a bit weird too, wasn't it? <laughs> when you think about it. Um, imagine the rumors swirling around back in the day when Mary, as a young teenager, was pregnant. And there were rumors about Joseph not being the father. His own brothers thought he was mad. His mum and brothers came to get him one day. They thought he was crazy. Came to take, take possession of him, so to speak. Um, he knows what it's like to have a challenging family. <laughs> but he gets it and he understands us too. So as the team comes up, let me pray for us. And I would say, again, if anything today, there's no condemnation here about the state of our families or uh, no superiority here about different family models. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but hopefully you've heard something from God's word which resonates with you and which you can take and which can help you as you uh, grow in wisdom as a friend, as part of a family, part of a church community, part of the wider community. Uh, that's my prayer. So let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, these words of Proverbs. Thank you that you are a good and faithful friend, that you, you don't hide the truth from us. You don't try and flatter us or manipulate us with flattery. Thank you that you tell us the truth because you love us. Thank you that you are a good heavenly Father, that you discipline us, that you instruct us because you love us. So Lord, help us hear your instruction today. Help us understand the truth of our own situation in life and help us open our hearts to trust in Jesus, to be for us everything we can't be, to be for us everything we need as parents, as children, as family, as friends, as a community. Uh, Lord, help us, shape us to be more and more like Jesus in our relationships, whatever they are. Lord, bless our relationships. And Lord, one last thing I want to ask. I'm sure in this room there are people who right now 
have difficulties with someone in their life. And I pray that you would bring that person to mind for them or those people. And that as we sing, as we sing of your goodness, O God, as we sing of how good you've been to us, I pray that you would help them know how to respond to that person, whether to take a step, to, to write a letter, to, in their own heart, forgive, whatever it might be, Lord. We know that relationships are a source of blessing, a source of great joy, but we also know, Lord, they're a source of great pain. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come and minister into that pain, into that brokenness, Lord, for those who are rejoicing in their families or relationships and friendships, come and bring gratefulness for those good relationships. Lord, bring healing and peace and restoration for those broken relationships, we pray.